Welcome back to a special Chin Music show. I mean, they're all special. I get to talk to Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal most times, uh, but this one particularly special. Joe Maurer, unique story. Uh, you know the deal, but let's repeat it one more time. Grew up in St. Paul, played at Creighton High, where Paul Molitor played. Number one pick in the draft. Could have played college football, could have played NFL football, could have been a great college basketball player. Decides to sign with his local team. Ends up winning an MVP, three batting titles, and now first ballot Hall of Famer, only the third catcher in history to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. What, you know, we there's so many angles to Joe's story, and we've talked about him for so long. What of all the possible thoughts you had did you actually have in your head when you heard the news, Roy? Well, I think what popped in my head was immediately was um, how fit it was, you know, how fitting it was and how um, how proud I was of the I am of the of the voters. Um, Joe deserved to be first ballot uh, Hall of Famer. Um, all of those things that he's done in, in Minnesota, uh, all you know, just a perfect lead up to a, his first Hall of Fame vote. And for him to be in first ballot, it, it just kind of puts an exclamation point. It, it punctuates what a great career that he had and what people re- and people recognizing that he was a special special player that that uh, needed to be um, that was a hall of fame player and and needed to i mean that's an honor first ballot that's a huge honor and not only deserve he deserved being a hall of fame but he deserved the honor of first ballot i'm i'm so happy for him and i'm really i'm really happy and proud of the happy with and proud of the voters Yes, well said. And listen, I get a lot of pushback. And, there, you know, during the second half of Joe's career, um, you know, sometimes I was critical of him, either approach or lack of communication or the fact that I always felt like you weren't getting a straight story on his his ailments from either him or the team. It was, it, you know, it was, it was kind of messy there for a while. But I do think we get to a point where if you're a baseball fan, if you're a Twins fan, if you're a fan of great stories, which is where I always come down, you have to Put the debate aside and celebrate. And this is, a, to me, a great day for Minnesota, for the Twins, for St. Paul. Uh, I just think we should celebrate this. Yeah, totally, totally agree. I, I just I absolutely agree. And it, as you know, I've alluded to before and with, with regard to you know, Tony Oliva, uh, Joe's first 10 years were absolutely stellar. They were absolutely Hall of Fame. He could have retired after his tenth year and and, been, and and gotten into the Hall of Fame. The last five years or so that he played after, after that, okay. So there were, yeah, there were, you know, this and that, right? As the dude would say, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have <laughs> and, and and but it doesn't matter because he had already established a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame credential, and. Um, the fact that we got to see him do what he uh, what he did for five more years or however long it was after the first ten, even even if it wasn't classic Joe, it still was a pleasure to watch him. And uh, when he hung it up, he's he's in the hall. And that's all, all things the way they sh- all things should be. It doesn't necessarily matter at this point, but it's an interesting thought experiment. By the way, let me inter- reintroduce the show. This is Chin Music, part of TalkNorth.com. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We want to thank Aquarius Home Services, TSR Injury Law, 
and Twill in the Dining Galleria, twillmn.com. We'll tell you more about them in a little bit. Also, check out some of our newer shows like Dawn of Sports with Don Mitchell. Uh, also, check out John Krasinski's show. We're going to have, by the way, programming note, we're going to have Chris Finch, the Timberwolves coach at Head Flyer Brewing on February 3rd. It's a Friday night. We'll get you more specific details on exact timing. I'm guessing it'll be 7-ish. It'll be the John Krasinski Show with special guest Chris Finch at Head Flyer Brewing. Come on out. We always get big crowds for those shows. I imagine with Chris there, it'll be an even bigger crowd. So get there early. And again, follow, follow us on social media. We'll get you the more, more information as it comes along. Uh, so a thought experiment here. Joe stays healthy. He doesn't have the major elements, the concussion, whatever it was that sidelined him in 2011. And he's able to catch longer and he's able to be himself longer. What do you think his historical place would have been uh, statistically had he been able to maintain himself in that way? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say, but I, I mean, if he if, if everything if the scenario that you propose here actually came to pass, probably recognized as um, you know the best. It could be recognized as the best catcher of all time. I mean, it's, it's it was that kind of you know, that, that kind of career, you know, stretched out another five years or so. Um, no, no telling what the numbers would have been, no telling what people would have, have seen, uh, you know, thought of him. But, um, you know, with all due respect to Johnny Bench, who I consider, you know, the greatest, maybe the greatest catcher that up to this point that ever played. Um, and, Carlton Fisk, who deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, and and Pudge Rodriguez, uh, Bill Dickey, uh, you know all of all of those guys, um, you know another five years of Joe production, you know of classic Joe production, and you know there really is, there's really no telling. Maybe he wins another Gold Glove or two. Uh, maybe he uh, gets a uh, to the hits and um, RBI total that are are gaudy. You know, I mean, there's just there's really no telling. But I think that, you know, if that had happened uh, in your scenario, I think he certainly would have been considered, you know, top three or five catchers of all time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I think the batting average would have been better. The on-base percentage, which is ridiculously high, would have been even better. Uh, power totals would have been better if he'd been a little healthier. Uh, and so his career numbers end up being exceptional but they could have been really something and yeah and, and I, I also think a lot of people who are down on joe forget just how great he was defensively people didn't run on him he gunned good base stealers out uh, he blocked pitches he called good games while he was winning batting titles that just doesn't happen that doesn't happen it absolutely doesn't happen and and you know playing great defense behind the plate is something that's easily overlooked. I mean, you, you know, as a former shortstop and, you know, admiring shortstops the way I do. And I, you, you look at Ozzie Smith or you look at, at Carlos Correa and you, you know, you look at uh, Omar Vizquel, the guys that can, you know, that can really play defense and uh, at shortstop and you go, you know, okay. And I'll, I'll give a nod to your, to your guy, Mark Belanger uh, yeah. <laughs> in Baltimore. But I, I think that um, it, it's, it's a lot easier at a at a position like that to make spectacular looking plays or just spectacular plays, not spectacular looking, and everybody recognizes you know the defense. You block it. You block a tough pitch in the dirt, 
Um, <clears throat> fans get used to the fact that we, we don't have to worry about anybody stealing. I mean, uh, isn't that funny? I wonder why nobody ever steals on the Twins. You know, that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to quantify. It's hard to see immediately. Uh, if you're the you know the, the least bit uninitiated to um, to recognize how tremendous Joe was, and you're right, it's not it wasn't just a physical skill, which uh, you know he had all of all of that, blocking, throwing, you know all of that, receiving pitches, but he's really smart. He knows about hitting, and so he knew how to get his pitcher to pitch to hitters the way uh, gave his pitcher the, you know, the best chance. And you can't see that. that that's, not a, that's not a diving in the hole play. You know, that's, just a, that's just day in, day out excellence that, that nobody really sees. And, and so I think that's part of the problem for, for Joe is that you know, nobody's ever done the things that he did at both defensively and offensively. And when you can't see defense enough, you look at the offense and say, well, that's not enough. You know, I mean, he should have done more. And, you know, I, I don't believe anybody but potentially potentially Johnny Bench. I mean, I didn't see Bill Dickey. I mean, everybody thinks that I was probably playing at that time. But I, I, didn't, I, didn't, see, <laughs> I didn't see Bill Dickey, you know. And I, but um, I will um, – I, I look at Johnny Bench and say maybe the, maybe the best of all time. But I, after that, I look at, you know, what Joe was able to do for 10 years and had he played – as you say, if he had he played he- in, you know healthy all that ne- another five years, you know who knows? I mean, it, there might have been a really big difference between, I mean, a really big argument uh, between Bench's power and Joe's on base percentage, given the fact that you know that you know Joe's three or maybe more batting titles, um, and with his defense and, and uh, so. I don't know. I, I, we can go on and on, but I, I think the point's made. I, I, I just think that he's a, not only a first ballot Hall of Fame, one of the best ever. Agreed. Uh, I have two more topics I want to get to today. Today's kind of a, an, an emergency special Joe Maurer edition. Uh, I want to ask you, something just popped in my head as you were talking here. Just the camaraderie between former twins, Maurer, Morneau, you, Latroy Hawkins, Kadir, uh, you know, so many great former great twins still hang around the team, still go to spring training, you know, work in or, or around the organization. And, and I'm sure that that exists to some extent in most organizations. It just feels like it's really concentrated here. I want to ask you about that. I also want to ask you about some of the other Hall of Famers who got in and potential Hall of Famers who didn't, including Tory Hunter. Right now, though, we want to do it. We want to let you know that we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Scott for Aquarius, wishing you a happy new year. The new year often means a fresh start. How about your furnace? Does it need a fresh start? It's been working hard, and we all know there's a lot of winter left to go. With your safety and comfort as our top priority, Aquarius Home Services is offering $98 off any furnace repair. Be worry-free with your furnace. We're here to help, and just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Also, want to thank longtime sponsor TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. It's all you really need to know if you're injured. 
Call 612-TSR-TIME. They'll take care of you. They will not charge you unless they win your case. That's how confident they are that they will win your case. They're confident because they win so many cases. They're very good at what they do. They treat people well. 612-TSR-TIME. Also let you know, Twill in the Dining Galleria, my favorite clothing shop, is right now having a 40% off sale, uh, clearing out winter and a fall and winter, some winter inventory uh, to prepare for the spring arrivals. They don't have many sales. They certainly don't have many 40% sales. Take advantage of this. It's all, high. if it's in that shop, it's high quality. It'll last forever. Twillmn.com is the uh, website. It's in the United Gallery, easy place and pleasant place to shop. Go out there, tell Scott Dayton or his staff that we sent you and we do appreciate it. So do you think it's unique at all the way the twins keep their former great players around? You know, I don't know. I'm not um, I, I, I'm not uh, familiar enough with uh, the alumni for you know other uh, other teams. I know that it feels pretty special the way that the twins do it and and the way the twins players, you know uh, all of us, you know former players, um, you know the camaraderie that I think we have. there's a there's a bond somehow that's that's really uh, really tight. It's really special. And and uh, that's fun. You go out to uh, Twins Fest and you see every, you, know, you see everybody. They get, they get a, a tremendous tremendous um, uh, showing up of, uh, of you know players and you know current players and former players. And it's it's it is an awful lot of fun. And it's 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 fun to be a part of that. Yeah, I just think it's really evident. Um, I mean, Latroy Hawkins, you know, he had he was with the organization a long time, and you know, as soon as he had a chance to leave in free agency, he left in free agency in part because they weren't going to pay him a lot of money at that juncture with the team's budget. And that, you know, he left after the two thousand three season or two thousand two season, one or the other. I can't remember which. And you know. 20 years later, he's working with the Twins, and he's a, a, a major figure in the organization. They really, you know, they really rely on Latroy for a lot of advice. Uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero came back as a, a coach after leaving in free agency. It feel, it, and I, I give Dave St. Peter a lot of credit for that. I think he's worked really hard at that. I think he has too, and I think they do a great job of making uh, all of us, you know, feel special. Uh, you know, feel like we're really wanted. And um, so, I, I mean, I, I think. You know, you kind of you reap what you sow. They're, they're sowing uh, seeds of really, really uh, uh, close-knit, want you to be here, uh, you always be a twin in our eyes kinds of things. And I think that's great. One more topic now. Let's get into the actual voting. Adrian Beltre gets 95%. Uh, easy call, not much debate. Great third baseman, great power hitter, great, great hitter, great fielder, great ambassador for the game. He's easy. Uh, Todd Helton gets 79.7% and gets in. Uh, are you surprised at all by Todd Helton? You know, Todd Helton is that if you just look at the player that he was and the hitter that he was, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I, and I know the whole, the big deal with, with him is that ballpark um, and how much easier it seems to be to, to hit as a home player in that ballpark. And his numbers are gaudy. You know, much gaudier in in Colorado than they were on the road, and I, you know, I understand all that, but um, not his fault where he plays. That's where you know, that's where he signed. That's that's the ballpark they have, and he put up numbers that other, you know, are Hall of Fame numbers. And he played for a long time, so I, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, Roy's, by the way, uh, 
near an ocean right now. We, I thought we would spend this uh, podcast hearing some waves crash. Instead, we're hearing my dog scream in the background. It's not quite the same ambiance. I apologize <laughs> for it. It's the way it works. Uh, Billy Wagner, 73.8%, which basically means he's getting in next year. What do you think of him as a candidate? Yeah, I, I guess what I would say, I think, I think he is deserving. Um, I, I'm you know, it took a while for elite relief pitchers, elite closers to, you know, to break through the the mindset, it seemed like, of the voters. And, um, it, you know, it took a while for Lee Smith. And, you know, I mean, so, I mean, I think uh, I, I, I think he deserves to be in. And, I, and I, I, there's another one that, you know, again, it, my biggest criterion for this is, is, you know, were you a dominant player in your era? at your position and so the the, the three guys you know beltre no no question uh helton uh i mean i don't see how you can say he wasn't and billy wagner certainly was too so there you go here's a really interesting one gary sheffield a tremendous hitter bounced around uh and he as he said recently hey i didn't because i moved around so much i didn't have that one organization campaigning for me he ends up at sixty three point nine percent of the vote. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? I hope he gets in. I, I really do. I don't think there was a more dangerous hitter in his era than than he than he was. And and uh, so I mean, I, it's probably that plus plus uh, you know where is he where, where does he play? You know where what what was defensive ability? You know the the whole the total package. But I will tell you, I, I think he's one of the most underrated great hitters that ever played the game. A um, remarkable combination of bat speed, power, and ability to make contact. He did not strike out much for a power hitter. Didn't strike out, hit the ball as hard as anybody alive uh, with regularity. I mean, it, he, was, he had one of the most interesting batting styles. Was, you know, his, his bat was moving like crazy he, yeah, as, he stri- as he strode into the pitch. I mean, he, he flipped the bat hit down kind of uh, like the old Dick Allen. Um, and he, uh, style, but even even more pronounced. But even though it looked like, gosh, how does he not lose sight, lose control of where, uh, lose knowing where the big end of the bat is? <laughs> that big end of the bat always ended up uh, right at the ball. Always. Always struck me. You're the expert, so I'll ask you. Always struck me that guys who had a lot of movement as the before the pitch and even as the pitch was starting to be thrown and were able to get the bat head through with authority, I just always thought they had to have just tremendous forearm strength, like Puckett and Sheffield. Well, it, that's true. Forearm and hand, hand strength, you know, no question about it. Uh, but there, but it, it takes more than that. It takes the ability to, the, the innate ability to know where the big, the big end of the bat is at all times. I mean, you hit with about eight inches of uh, of uh, the big end of the bat and uh, the ability to know where that eight inches is during your whole setup and, and, and approach to the ball and then deliver that as, you know, in the most fast and efficient way. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a special, a special skill. And when you have that much movement, uh, it, I, I used to look at that and say, how, how, how do they do it? You know, who else was like that was Steve Kemp, terrific hitter. Yeah. Um, and had a, just a ton of, you know, a, a ton of, uh, of movement. And, um, it, it, and so, 
it, it all depends on the guy and, and the guys that have a lot of movement and, and hit the way those guys did. I mean, they're just, they're just special. It, you're reminding me, I was in uh, Fort Myers to do a story on Jose Barrios once when he was a young prospect and uh, Polanco was playing shortstop down there. They weren't sure where he was going to end up in the majors. They weren't sure, you know, how good he'd be defensively. But what they all kept saying was, he knows where the big end of the bat is. You know, he was just yeah. one of those guys. He was going to put the big end of the bat on the ball. Really true. Really true. And you can point to all the really good hitters, and they, they do it different ways. But uh, the, the short answer that is that they all know where the big end of the bat is at, at all times, and they know how to deliver it on plane to the, you know, to the, to the baseball as it's approaching them and <laughs> in, in very short order. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just a special, a special genius. Let's uh, do one more Hall of Fame topic, then we're going to get Roy's final thought on Joe Maurer going into the Hall of Fame. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Again, if you like this show, if you like any show at TalkWork.com, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We do appreciate it. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors and everyone who listens. So, fascinating stat showed up at MLB Network yesterday. They and I won't even if I don't get it right, you'll get you'll get the the, the sense of where this is going. Said that only two players in history, two two players in history have had nine Gold Gloves and 350 or more career home runs who aren't in the Hall of Fame. One is Andrew Jones, who got 61.6 percent of the vote yesterday. The other is Torrey Hunter, who's right there at the bottom uh, of, the, of the vote getters. Do you think that's enough to get those two gentlemen into the Hall of Fame? I think those, those two cause some problems for uh, voters. Um, and, you know, as, as I've said, I mean, dominant players at their position in their era, and you look at those two and say, okay, do, that, do they fit that? Do they fit that bill? And, uh, for Torrey, uh, there wasn't a better center fielder. Uh, uh, for Andrew Jones, there wasn't a better center fielder. And they hit, what did you say, 350 home runs? Yep. I mean, at some point in time, if you're, on the, if you're even on the cusp of you know, the dominant uh, player at your position uh, in your era, if you're on the cusp there, then you know, at some point in time, you, just have, you have to then bring the numbers in. And say, holy cow! You know, 350 home runs and nine Gold Gloves. I, I, as I think about walking through Cooperstown and looking at everybody's in there, and looking at all the outfielders that have been in there, and then uh, think to myself, there's a couple of guys who won nine Gold Gloves. Oh well, they must have just been defensive guys. No, they hit 350 home runs. At that point in time, uh, I, 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 and I'm, I'm not as hard line as a lot of people. I mean, I'm not afraid for really, really top flight players to go in the Hall of Fame. I, I just don't think that you have to hit 500 home runs or more or win 300 games or, you know, have 3,000 hits or whatever. All of that is, is an indication, a statistical indication of how good you were, but it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, say, it doesn't say the whole picture of, you know, real players that were that were special players in their era. And so I'd, I'd be in favor of both those guys getting in based on the numbers that you tell me. I don't see how you keep a guy out that keep a guy out there has nine gold gloves, uh, unless he hit 220 and, you know, with no power, but you got nine gold gloves and you hit over 350 home runs. I, ah, 
I just I don't see how you how you keep them out. How do how do you walk through Cooperstown and not not see those those numbers up on the wall somewhere? Yeah. Um, so Tory career two seventy seven batter, uh, five All Star games, nine Gold Gloves, two Silver Sluggers, three hundred fifty three career home runs. I, I was border. I, I was kind of on the fence on Tory. I just wasn't sure, and that stat just kind of hit me over the head. You know, and, and yeah. made me reconsider. And you know, I, I don't vote anymore because I just don't think I should be the person deciding who goes in the Hall of Fame. But if I were voting, I think I'd have to vote for him. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I, you just think about the the whole body of work there. And you know, sometimes you know, it wasn't all done at center field. You know, he had he, he sure. played he played in right right field for a few organizations, and you know, at the end of his career. But all Hall of Fame guys that put up you know kind of gaudy numbers. Um, a lot of it in the last five to eight years of their career when they didn't really, you know, they weren't as dominant, but they kept putting up statistics. Right. And everybody looks at the statistics and says, you know, okay, they, they belong in there. And, you know, I, I, much like Joe being a catcher for 10 years and then doing some other stuff. I mean, Tory won nine, nine gold gloves, nine gold gloves in center field. I mean, okay. That he's that right there qualifies him for serious consideration. What did he do offensively? Well, he had 353 home runs and and hit uh, hit above 270. Uh, in in his era, pretty doggone good numbers. Yes. All right, Roy. Uh, give me a final thought on Joe Maurer's uh, induction. Uh, he'll be going, I think, July 21st at Cooperstown. I've covered that ceremony uh, many times. It, it's a really cool thing for people who want to go out there. I highly recommend it. Just bring. Uh, Bring a sun umbrella or some uh, or some sunscreen because you could end up sitting in the sun for hours, and that's the only negative about going to a Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, so, give us a final thought on Joe. Joe has had an absolutely charmed uh, life in baseball from the time that he was a, a very young young kid through being drafted number one, uh, being a, the player that he was, uh, and getting then the the Cherry on top, finally, the first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I, I guess one of the things that I, I didn't mention before that I, I think I kind of, I kind of felt um, uh, internally, just, in, just intrinsically, I, I felt like it would be a crime not to put that cherry on top of that career. It would be an absolute crime. And I'm just so happy. All, all Twins fans, all Twins organization, all broadcasters, everybody, we're just so proud that he was a uh, he was the caliber Minnesota twin that that he was and then he goes in first ballot because it should have happened and it's the kind of the, the crowning part of a, a, a of an absolutely charmed baseball life great stuff thank you so much Roy thanks to Brandon Morton our producer uh, thanks to everyone who listens we'll talk to you soon